0: Macca, on a Sunday morning. G'day Maka. it's Guy from Bangkok. Usually I listen to a podcast when I go running and I'm training for a marathon and try to get back home. That's my way to get back home, listening to you guys on the radio and having an escape from travelling Asia and feel a little bit of home back in Australia.
1: Tell me, what are you doing in Bangkok? How long have you been there? i been here
0: four years with me and my family. I'm a sales director for a packaging company. spend about one and a half, two weeks every month travelling, looking after the packaging and sales team that I have from Japan to India to China to Southeast Asia. We've been up here for four years, my wife Karen and the three girls. It's great, it's fantastic at times, high pace, going 100 miles an hour, but I miss home, I miss bush, I miss fishing, miss my little town of Mongbol. You know, Every morning I get up and go for a run and you see people living out of the seat of the pants and totally different lifestyle here in Asia and how people live and it really wakes you up to what reality is in the world.
1: Wouldn't it be nice to do a program in Bangkok one morning? I suppose there's lots of Australians there.
0: Yeah, there is. Yeah, it would be fantastic. People would love
1: that. Guy, great to talk to you this morning. Good luck. And uh, what's the time there, quickly?
0: About
2: uh, half past four, twenty to five. Yeah, the turns my week around. He picks me up when I feel down. I'll wait all week for macker on a Sunday morning. There's truckies ringing, quilters calling. There's winter chills and snow starts falling. And everybody's talking about the weather. Jeez, Carl, mate. In Jamestown, Buckingham, Old Talbingo, Lura, Portsey, Bernie, Dingo, they're warming up with Macca on a Sunday morning.
1: I wait all week for Macca on a Sunday morning. They're warming up, all right. Good morning and welcome. 1300, 700, 222. That was a guy a couple of years ago. It's just instructive, isn't it, to listen to what Australians are doing. He misses his little town, and he's, I'm sure his family does too, of Mombolk. Probably two two or three years ago. I wonder if he's still travelling around Southeast Asia one week every month. Busy, busy, busy. But he misses his fishing and he misses his little town of Mombok. Good morning, wherever you are. Lots of things this morning. Um, email. This is from Paddy Beecham. She says, sitting in the hot tub. This is to make you jealous, right? Sitting in the hot tub in Mulaney, an impossible blue sky, eating mangoes, and listening to you on the old Bluetooth speaker via the TV. Happy Sunday. Uh, thank you, Paddy. You're making us, yes, you're just making our day. It's really, really nice. Good morning, Macker. Last Thursday, 6 p.m., the Governor, Linda de gave an oration in honour of Albert Coates, medical orderly on Gallipoli, uh, then in France, uh, then in intelligence. He became a senior surgeon at Royal Melbourne, then in World War II, was a POW senior surgeon on the Burma Railway. Knighted in 56. Too much to email. I sent you a book against the odds. Last year's orator described him as an amazing leader, says Neil Shields. Thank you, Neil. Listen today, says um, Dot, in conversation with Deidre from Naruma, who I met 44 years ago through golf. We're on the opposite sides of the country. I'll now contact her. How amazing is your show in connecting Australians? Thank you for the inspiration in promoting Australia and all its wonderful as- aspects, says Dot in Bustleton. And she's going to get in touch with Deidre and Naruma. Michelle says, good morning. Listening to the show on our drive from Brisbane to Canberra, can you post some details about the radio service you were talking about this morning, digital radio? It's Digital Radio Mondiale. I think that's the pronunciation. Or DRM. DRM. You'll find that if you look, I suspect. Rhonda Rand Howard says, talking about line markers, a couple of weeks ago they marked the roads uh, past our piece at Cobden. And a week later, they resheeted the road with bitumen. Work that out. Well, that happens, that happens. Macro, I think you should sing Islands in the Stream with Sonny Lee. There might be a stream in Tamworth if the sky falls in. Ha, ha. Well, there's a river. There's the Peel there, the mighty Peel. And if it does rain, it'll, yes, it'll be islands in the stream. I'll give you the tip right now. Look, uh, we're going to Condoblin in two weeks' time. Come along. We're going to do our program there. We're going to have a dance but when I went there for a little recce the other day, driving, I've been driving, driving, driving all over the place. And I met this lady, Pat Hurley. Come and meet her. I'm in Condoblin. I'm talking to Pat Hurley. How are you, Pat?
3: I'm well, thank you. Where do you live? Um, I live 100 kilometers northwest of Condoblin. At a little place called? Well, we're on the Vermont Hill Road, just beyond the Vermont Hill
1: Hall. And how's the drought uh, biting you?
3: Uh, it's biting. <laughs> Uh, probably for four years. This is the fourth year we've been um, feeding, cutting back our stock bit by bit.
1: I suppose you've spent a lifetime building the stock up.
3: Absolutely, we've had our been breeding our Hereford cattle for sixty years. Lovely cattle, our aren't own they? breed. They're yeah. beautiful.
1: How much does a load of hay cost you?
3: A um, road train is about twenty two thousand dollars. And you get
1: one of those every six or seven weeks so do you send them to adjustment at all is that is that
3: before we sent some to adjustment that's what it was costing us but we've managed to send about 110 down to Kuriong. that adjustment is cheaper than buying hay and then we've just a couple of weeks ago sent another uh, over 100 anyway down to Warrnambool which is a long long way away but again it's just a little bit cheaper to put them on adjustment than keep buying hay but we still have 100 cows and calves at home, feeding them plus about 600 Dorper sheep.
1: And you love your cattle, don't you? Especially when you're Herefords, I suppose. You've had them for, what, 60 years? and.
3: But not only that, are there, my son and daughter-in-law have sort of improved, improved, improved them, plus improving the property with new fencing and so on. It's just sad to see good breeding cows going to the slaughter. And what's going to happen when the drought's over? There's going to be such a shortage of breeding stock. And I think the government are going to get quite a shock when they find that all of the agricultural businesses are just not going to be there anymore look and at the dairy farmers i mean the dairy farmers it's critical
1: pat we're going to come to condo in a couple of weeks time uh, do you reckon anyone will come oh look i would love them to <laughs>
3: They should, and you've got such a following. The people that ring into you make you feel as though Australia is a damn good place. Yes. And it is, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. Of course it is. Yeah.
1: So we'll be here in a couple of weeks. We're going to have a dance on the Saturday night with a bit of luck. OK. And uh, Sunday morning, maybe down in the park there or something like that. That'll be great. I'll spread the word. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I'll
3: spell it, tell this young lass crossing the street. Uh, Janelle? This is Macca.
1: G'day Janelle, yeah good. He's going yeah.
3: to have a dance in Condoblin uh, uh, and his program here next Sunday week. Sunday week.
1: Alright Pat, okay. and, and I suppose your place is looking pretty uh, down at heel at the moment?
3: Like this, concrete. Cement, yeah. Like c- that beer. yes it's terrible, sad.
1: You've been through other droughts? Yes, the
3: 2000 to 2009, 1979 to 1982.
1: This one's worse isn't it?
3: Well, it just seems to be, I don't know, the dust, like every, you should have been here on Tuesday. Tuesday. It was horrific the whole day.
1: We had some people in Coonabarum who said there was a fire, but they couldn't find the fire because of the dust. Is that they knew right? there was a fire, but they couldn't find it.
3: Is that right? My gosh.
1: Well, Pat, we'll lift some spirits hopefully in a couple of weeks on the 14th and 15th. You make sure you're here.
3: I certainly will be, and thank you so much. a pleasure. You. Thank you.
1: Lots of, lots of emails about all sorts of things. It's lovely. You mentioned bat- battery-powered radio, says Helen. Well, that's because uh, somebody rang and said, uh, Texas said, look, around uh, Condo, they won't be able to hear you after past State today because uh, they're having a power outage. And I said, oh, well, they could use maybe use battery radios. Remember battery radios. And uh, Helen says, you mentioned battery-powered. Well, your voice comes out over this reliable old battery-powered radio every Sunday. She sent me a picture. My dad, Don, listened to you and many football games through the radio and the sheds on the weekends. He bought it when on a cruise ship, which is how he met my mum over 50 years ago. What, the cruise ship or the radio? Probably both, eh? He died in 2015, and although the old radio never gets a broadcast of football games anymore, I love listening to the voice um, through his radio in Sarsfield, Sarsfield, which is East Gippsland. Thanks for the community, spirit and connectedness. Here, <laughs> foster fostering this great land. Helen, look, I'm really tired. I've been, I don't know. I, I just was driving, driving, driving and doing stuff and running out. We unloaded, Joel and I and and Derek, we unloaded the bales on top of this truck. They're heavy. Each one of those bales, it was 25 ton on the the, the hay we took out to the Piliac. 25 ton, each one of those bales is half a ton, which like about 500 kilograms. They are heavy. You can't push them. Like if you, you can't push them, you need three at least three blokes. Well, three blokes like me. You need about five blokes like me. But Joel Lidgard and and uh, Derek, Derek Williams, they were, they're pretty strong blokes, but um, I use my knees a lot. <laughs> That's why they're crook. Yeah. Um, lots of uh, emails. Mac... Love listening, says Dean White. On a Sunday morning, I'm working out between Longreach and Winton on the railway, fixing up some old timber bridges, replacing the piers and abutments. We've been having 43-degree days for a while now. The men are going through nearly 10 litres of water each per day. It's slightly spitting out here near Morella, 80-ish k's north of Longreach. Don't you love that? 80-ish. 80-ish north of Longreach. Hopefully, Huey keeps it up. They really need it out here. Just thought I'd say good day and shout-out to my old man, Glenn in Townsville. He should be listening, I reckon. Have a great day, says Deanie. Good on you, Dean. Lovely, lovely that you called. I have a Bill. Is it Bill and Lynn Wensky? I have a hundred bars of hay. Need help to deliver to Craddock in South Australia, please. I don't know how I can help you, Bill. Bill and Lynn Wensky. Where are they? Anyway, I've got a number if you want to help them. Terry says, time to deregulate our government, Ian. If this, country was, uh, if this country's manufacturing industry was a farm, it would be as productive as the Simpson Desert. Not sure where we'll all find gainful work. 80% of what we buy now comes from China. The perfect storm is finally upon us. They built Warragamba Dam in 1960. You reckon before we let 3 million more people into, into Australia and into Sydney, they might have thought, uh, thought we need more water. Now you're told you can't even use it. They're bringing, uh, I think it's the 10th, isn't it, John? They're bringing in uh, extra water restrictions, which lots of Australians have had already. But anyway, the problem is Blind Freddy could see this coming in. They sold our farms down the river and they and they sold the water. There's no city without country. That's pretty right on the course, isn't it? No city without country. No country without city. We depend on each other. G'day, this is Macca.
2: Hello, it's Jane, and I'm in Alexandra, and I'm working in the koala cherries packing shed.
1: Tell us, tell us all about it, Jane.
2: <laughs> um, it's it's hard work, but mm. it's good fun. I've driven down from Cedarvale near Brisbane. Um, And met up with some friends who are also working in the packing shed. Uh We've got a day off today because it's been a bit chilly. The cherries aren't ripening as fast as they normally do. Right. Um, So, yeah, I'm in Alexandra and the packing shed is actually in Yark, which is about a 15-minute drive away. Right. And there's about uh, 300 people who work in the shed. And it's it's young backpackers, um, kids from Taiwan, some older people like ourselves who are in caravans travelling around.
1: So you're a traveller, Jane?
2: Um, well, I'm edging in that direction. I haven't quite bitten the bullet yet. <laughs> but I've come down for the second time this year um, to do this work. And I, and I really loved it last year. Um, and it's it's very interesting to be able to see the cherries from when they come out of the field mm. and, you, you know, they get packed and then they're sent off to Woolies and Coles and, you know, whoever else they go to overseas.
1: <laughs> do you eat um, the odd one, Joan, do you?
2: <laughs> um, well, they put... Some of the cherries in our lunchroom, so we're allowed to eat them. But you certainly can't eat them while you're on the line.
1: No, and I, I, it's like anything. It's like living by the sea. Once you live by the sea for a while, you, you don't even bother with the view. And I suppose when you're picking cherries, after a while, it <laughs> becomes very passe. And. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, you have to keep your eyes down on the conveyor belt, and you know, picking out the ones that aren't so great, and letting all the thousands of others go past you. So,
1: yeah, yes. well, cherries is big, uh, big news, isn't it? I was um, talking to my little greengrocer, Kevin, Kevin, uh, the other day. Well, uh, last cherry season, and he said um, this was around Chinese New Year time, and he said, "Oh, no cherries now; all, all gone to Asia. All go to Asia for Chinese New Year." And I said, "Oh, they like cherries." He said, "Yes, but." what they do, they put them on the graves of their ancestors. That's one of the things that they do with the cherries. Oh, wow. Uh, they eat a few. <laughs> I eat them, you yeah, because everybody... But I suppose because cherries are revered, that that's the gift they give to their ancestors and they put mm. them on the graves of their ancestors. That's what happens to some of the cherries. Oh,
4: well, there you
2: go.
1: I yeah. didn't know that. <laughs> but they're very... Yeah, they're very... They're prized, aren't they, all over the world?
2: They are. They mm. are, yes. And, um, you know, there's about 15 orchards that get picked from and so it's it's... From about mid-November through to mid-January, it's just a constant stream of cherries coming into the packing shed, and then going out the door on the same day. So it's um, you know, you can work from say seven o'clock in the morning sometimes to six thirty, seven o'clock at night. So um, yeah, and
1: you and you said uh, it's been cool. I find you know we think that November's been hot, but it's cool. It's cool at the moment, and and your cherries don't. November can be a really strange month, a really strange month, and well. Uh, they're not, yeah. they're not ripening, is that the story?
2: No, they're not, they're not ripening as fast as they normally do. And, and besides, I'm from Queensland. <laughs> anyway, south of the border is cold for me. So I'm, <laughs> I'm actually lying rugged up at the moment.
1: So how many, how many people did you say are working there in the packing shed?
2: Uh, there's about 350 people working in the packing shed. Wow. And then there's another 300-odd who are out picking the cherries once they get into full swing.
1: Gee, that's, uh, that's a big deal, isn't it?
2: It is. It is a big deal. It's a, it's a good place to work and, and you know, the, the company are good to their employees. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it so much last year. I thought, well, it was hard work, but I'm coming back again.
1: Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, lovely to talk to you, Jane. Um, you too. And uh, yeah, I can just imagine you there curled up in, in your bed. Um, yeah. What's the temperature outside, you reckon? in Where are you? Alexandra.
2: Alexandra. It's about seven degrees at the moment. Seven so probably not cold by Victorian standards, but cold by my standards.
1: Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, lovely, lovely to talk to you. And uh, yeah, I was going to say send me some cherries. No, don't send me. Some... I had some. <laughs> I had some cherries the other day. They were really nice. Yeah.
2: Oh, good. Good.
1: I don't. I don't know where they're from, but um, I suppose they come from different places uh, in, hmm. at different times. But um... they
2: might be from New South Wales because they come online first, apparently, and then Victoria, and then Tasmania.
1: All right, Jane, good on you. Thank you. Lovely to talk to you. Lovely to talk to you
2: too.
5: Good on you. Bye. Bye. Hello, Maker. It's Robert Musto from Richmond Valley Council, the Mayor. G'day, Robert. How are you? I'm not too bad, mate. I just thought I'd give you a ring. Um, We're up in northern New South Wales and we're getting pretty um, hammered by the fires up here, but we've got some uh, 26 New Zealand firefighters with
1: a some hand, I thought you might have wanted to talk to one of them. Oh, I always oh, well, I like to talk to everybody, Robert. But that's uh, I've seen, uh, and I talked to somebody um, last week. I think it was uh, in Queensland, and they said they had some firemen from New Zealand, from all, and I think some Canadians too. But uh, right. isn't it great to to know that people from all over all over the world really um, help each yeah. other in times of uh, difficulty? Yeah,
5: it certainly is, and um, they're a great bunch of blokes. Done into them about three or four times now, but um, even for them, it's an experience. They say the fires out here are totally different than what they're used to back in New Zealand. So, I, I, yeah.
1: I bet. And how's things up uh, your way, Robert?
5: Oh, not real good. We've um, lost most nearly around a third of our total local government area in being damaged by fires. And there's, over the time, there's been fire fires that have um, joined up, and yeah, it's pretty devastating. We've lost a lot of cattle and plantation timber, and also. Our tea tree, so, yeah, it's going to be a hard Christmas for many of us, but we're, we're resilient up here, mate, like good old Aussies, and we'll
1: get on with it. Good on you, Robert. We'd better come up there and uh, and uh, see you uh, in the new You'd year, probably. be
5: appreciated if you didn't. I'd we- like to have a talk
1: to you in that. But do you yeah. want me to put Andrew on from New
5: Zealand? Yeah, sure. I'd
1: love to talk to him. Okay, mate. Here. Yeah. G'day. G'day, Maca. How are you? Oh, good, thanks, Andrew. Nice to talk to you, mate. Where, whereabouts are you from in New Zealand?
0: Yeah, I'm from Wellington.
1: Uh-huh. And this has been a bit of an eye-opener, I bet, for you?
0: Yeah, look, it's been a totally different experience Um, for a lot of our guys. We've been um, deployed internationally before, um, but this is a new one for a lot of us.
1: Yeah. So uh, the country, I mean, I haven't been to New Zealand. uh, I've been to New Zealand, haven't seen a lot of the country, but... um, yeah, different, different, uh, different land, and I suppose you don't get droughts like we do here, which, which is really what's happened with this fire. We've had drought for so long that um, everything.
0: Yeah, look, it, it is a different terrain for us. Um, we're used to a lot more green and um, hills, um, and, the, and the terrain and over here has been completely different. And the way you, uh, you know, New South Wales fights its fires is a, is a different methodology that we've had to learn, and it's a great skill we can take back to New Zealand.
1: Yeah, and uh, so how many, you got 20, did, you, did uh, Robert say 20 or 25? 26
0: of us in total here, plus um, we've got an RFS liaison officer with us as well.
1: So how long do you stay for, Andrew?
0: Um, we're on a 16-day deployment, so we'll be leaving, leaving uh, next Friday.
1: And how do you how do you find it apart from the fire? Just uh, you know, meeting the locals. I bet the lo- locals are nice. They're pleased to see you. I'm oh, sure. Oh
0: look, we've been overwhelmed by the people in this area. Um, very humbled with the appreciation that we've received, and um, the locals have been really supporting us and uh, making sure we've got everything we need.
1: There you go. Um, so, Robert, uh, what's uh, your basic? What do you do in in New Zealand? Do you fight? L- fires in you know the city or that sort of thing or do you go out out of uh, out of town when you're fighting your fires where do most of your fires happen
0: um my area that 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 i look after is, is is a central area but we do have a lot of um remote areas that we support so we are we're all firefighters as well
1: there you go all right so um well this is a great experience do we ever send uh firefighters over to new zealand robert uh
0: Andrew. Yeah, we, we've had some people uh, come over before, um, mostly in training capability for us.
1: Yeah. There you go. All right, Andrew, nice to talk to you. Thank you for coming over and bringing your friends. And, and uh, it's, it's great uh, connecting with, uh, as I always say, and other people have said, uh, there's no two countries in the world that are closer together in, in lots of ways than New Zealand and Australia.
0: Yeah, and look, it's been fantastic and we're happy to come over and support um, your Australians and help them, you know, put out these fires. Uh,
1: And your cricket team is here. We'll be playing cricket um, very shortly and um, maybe they'll give the Australians a run for their money, mate. Let's hope so. (laughs) All right, Andrew, lovely to talk to you. Please thank Robert too for for calling and um, tell him we'll see him uh, as soon as we can. Awesome, no worries. Thank you very much. Good on you, mate. I'm on the Newell. I'm talking to...
6: Gavin Nash. How are you, Gavin? Yeah, pretty good, thank you?
1: You've got a couple of
6: hay trucks? Yeah, I work for Baker's Transport, which they have their own farm down in Howlong. They produce a lot of hay and grain.
1: Last year there was a lot of hay trucks, but I, I haven't seen as many hay trucks this last week. as I've seen yeah, they're all over the place.
6: Yeah, no, they're travelling all over New South Wales and Queensland. I reckon there's more hay trucks and livestock trucks on the road than there is general freight at the moment.
1: It's part of the thing, isn't it? When there's a drought on, you blokes are busier than ever, really, aren't you?
6: Yeah, no, we're consistently busy, basically up and down, up and down. Every week, carting hay to farmers, feedlots. Starting to move a lot of hay, speaking to the boss. Moving hay into some of the um, areas that have been affected by the fires as well. So there's just a huge constant demand for hay for livestock.
1: Yeah, where's this lot going?
6: daves he's in that truck there. He's on the way up to bladder I've just come from a farm... Out at Baraba, which is, yeah, they needed a lot of hay out there. The, speaking to the farmer, Michael, out there, he's very dry out there. And I was, I've been travelling up into Tamworth since I was a young kid, and it's probably, I reckon, the worst I've ever seen Tamworth. Mm, terrible. Gev, how long have you been driving on the road? Not long dri- come back to driving. Used to cart cattle for a fair while and had a break from it. And, yeah, started with bakers uh, not that long ago. But, yeah, it's just Dave and myself and the rest of the team have been very busy.
1: This is Dave, is it? This is Dave. Come in, Dave. How are you going? Oh, not too bad, Magga. You've been driving a long while? Oh, probably 20 years. You're both born to it, you reckon, Dave? I wouldn't say that. Farming background, element of freedom in this, but, yeah, had office jobs, but um, this is probably where I've ended up. But um, this is probably the worst drought on an overall point of view. I don't think there's ever been a time that there's been this much hay shifted. Even the concept of feedlotting, which we do a lot of, even just straw up into Queensland, that feedlotting concept is only growing. There's less broad acre cattle farms and more feedlot style so that's only making um the hay thing move more and when you come into a farm and you've got a big load like this they will start smiling don't they Gav?
6: they do relief the property where i went and unloaded late last night. He was just a relief and asked for more. He said, is there a lot more of this wheat and hay available? I said, yeah, speak to the, speak to Richard Baker and go from there. So
1: does this come from Victoria, does
6: it? Yeah, the border of Victoria and New South Wales. How long?
1: Dave, where's home for you? Aubrey. What about you, go Rand. I spoke to my truckie mate last night and I said, where would we be? I said, where would we be without the truckies? He said, oh, you'd be hungry, naked and sober. <laughs> true, true. true, everything moves on the road, that's right Good on you boys, nice to meet you, good on you, good luck Alright, thank, thank you so. Thank you Come and meet them, it's Derek and Anna And um, yeah, we just turned up there and talked to them They were a bit nonplussed really, as you, as you would be We've just arrived here to... Ross Arden, Ross Arden. How it's... are you Anna? Good and uh, Derek.
7: Yeah, good, thanks. There you
1: go. And and this has been donated by Ron, who lives on the southern highlands, Ronnie Phillips. And he said, find me some needy people. And I said, there's thousands of needy people. It's like winning the lotto. You've won it. Thank you.
5: <laughs> this is lotto to us.
7: Yeah.
1: How long have you been here, Anna?
5: Not too long. <laughs> 14 years, would it be? Fourteen yeah, something years. like that.
7: And it's been dry most of that time, Derek? Well since 2013 it's been terrible. So how do you keep on why do you keep on? Well you just keep um, putting one foot after the other I guess. Yeah we were just about to really start heavily feeding again because we did have a little bit of rain back in March which uh, grew a little bit of something but uh, that's just about all gone and uh, wondering yeah we only feed just to keep them going not to have them fat. Yeah it's it's tough. It really is tough. This
1: might get you through the summer, maybe.
7: Yeah, hopefully. Well, uh, we've just had a little shower of rain, and there's it's a green tinge, but we need inches and inches of rain to keep us going.
1: Well, Ronnie said, uh, I've got 50 bales here, but we can only get 48 on, so um, there's two bales missing,
7: mate. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> somebody else can get that. <laughs> yeah, no, much appreciated. It's um, hay's just so dear to buy, and then there's transport. It's too much.
1: Well, we better get unloading it, eh? Don't know why, but Ronnie said, um, listen, can you give him this? Uh, I think it's a sponge cake, Derek. Give us yeah. a cake.
7: That'll be good. <laughs> Thank, <laughs> Thank you.
1: you. I don't know if it's any good because it's been in the car for two days, but anyway. Yeah. Um,
7: if the drought doesn't kill us, the cake will.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, good luck and nice to be here in your place. Lovely. It looks... We what's do. this river
7: here? It's Taluba Creek.
1: Taluba. It runs into what? The Namoy or something, Yeah, it? it runs into the Namoy. Yeah. And yeah. I suppose when that's got some water in it... It's Quite lovely here.
7: Yeah, it is. It's good, but the Namo is dry.
1: So, Derek, were you you're eligible for the household assistance
7: package? Yes, we were, but uh, it only goes for four years, and we've now finished. So, what affects that? Well, we'll still get by, but it adds added pressure because you can pay just a few bills with you know your fortnightly payments, and that's very helpful.
1: That finishes after four years, right?
7: Yeah four years and that's it and we've done our four years but some places have only just started the droughts only just really affecting them and before we came here it was going on even a bit longer so we've been here 14 years no matter how far you drive it's just everywhere just come back from the Horton Valley uh, up near Bingra and it's terrible up there and normally it's really good but uh, not now most places haven't got stock on them unfortunately
1: and I noticed here in the midst of drought, Derek, you've got a little patch of green lawn. A lady rang me years ago, I spoke to her, and she was out in the middle of somewhere. and she said, if I didn't have me little patch of green lawn, I'd go, Mitty was the name, she said I'd go I'd go nuts, and i water it with sink water or whatever, but I've just got this little piece of green lawn in the midst of drought, and it just keeps me sane. You've got a little patch here too, haven't you?
7: Yeah, we have. Tell me about it. Twelve months ago, there was no lawn at all, and... Uh the wife was complaining that the washing was blown onto the dirt all the time so we decided to put a lawn under the clothesline and we've just continued it on yeah it's nice and green we catch it and feed it to the bulls so when the bulls hear the um the lawnmower going they're waiting at the gate ready for a feed <laughs> that's fair income. they wouldn't do it for a start the the bulls, but now that they hear the lawnmower, they're waiting at the gate. And you have got your rain gauge right in the middle of the lawn. Yeah, that's waiting for the big rain. That's lovely. And and who planted it? Yeah, my uh son, Ben. He just put runners out and watered it with a watering can. Now it's as you can see, it's a complete lawn.
1: Yeah, you can play bowls on that, mate.
7: Yeah, not quite, but Nelly. <laughs> <laughs> that's Derek.
1: Derek and Anna. Derek and Anna Williams. G'day, this is Good
4: G'day, Macca. it's Mark. How are you?
1: Good, thanks, Marky. That's
4: good, mate. Yeah, I'm ringing from Dingo up in uh, central Queensland, delivering fuel here at the minute. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, just wanted to tell you a quick story, mate. It's my wife's second birthday this year today. She has her birthday twice a year, (laughs) and 1st of December is uh, always one of them. Yeah. She becomes seven every 1st of December, It starts putting up all the Christmas gear and um, it, it's it's pathetic, really. Mac, but anyway,
1: you gotta live with it. I think it's lovely. I think it's fantastic. And she's Mac. And Mac, she's,
4: I'll get home this afternoon, and I'll think I'm going to a different house. That's
1: she, how bad, that's how bad it is, mate? Is she is she putting the the um, the brightest star on the highest point of the Christmas tree? Is she?
4: Of course she will. I'll tell you something, Mac. I left home at up past two this morning to start work. I reckon she would have waited until my lights went out the driveway, and she would have she would have been up and at them.
1: Be so
4: gentle, baubles, there'll be lights, there'll be trees. It'll all happen.
1: Uh, and inside and out, uh, Mark.
4: In inside and out, Mac. Yeah, and um, the grandkids are coming for Christmas this year. Five of them. So it's it's just going to be worse.
1: And this is in Dingo. Is this in Dingo, Mark?
4: No, no, no. I'm, 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 I'm at Dingo. Oh, you're I'm at Dingo. Sorry. Yeah, I'm 300k away from her at the minute.
1: Where's, where's, where's home?
4: We're in Mount Larkham. I rang you last year when the fires were coming through in oh, Mount right. Larkham. There,
1: Marky, um, you should send us a photo. It probably probably won't do it justice. Maybe we should make a pilgrimage to Mount Larkham and just have a look.
4: What I might do is send you two because I won't get enough in one, Macker.
1: <laughs> it's like, like, like a bloke he said. Uh, he said, "Have you seen my pumpkin smacker?" I, I said, "No." I said, "Send me a photo." He said, "Oh no, it'll take me an envelope three feet long to send a photograph." That's how big it is.
4: <laughs> it'll be something like this as well, mate. Yeah, <laughs> but just quickly on the A truck drivers, mate. They're they're, uh, they're great blokes. I talk to them all the time, and a lot of them are doing this for you know at their cost and, and with a smile on their face. So. Um, Just on a
1: different note, at this time of year, I reckon it's fantastic what they're they're doing for the country. They are, they are fantastic. We, Joel, Lidgard, I'll get him in here next week or the week after. He's he's fantastic. They're just reliable and solid, and they're just so Australian, and they just get it done, and they know what they're doing. Um, Yeah, smile on their face. Yeah, you
4: know, it's really good.
1: Good on you, Mark. Send me that oh. photo, um, and your wife's turned seven again today, eh? Good on her.
4: Every year on the first,
1: mate.
4: <laughs> have a good Christmas,
1: Macker. Yeah, good well. on you, Mark.
4: Hey,
8: Macker. Yeah, good day. It's, it's Samantha. How are you?
1: Good, thanks, Samantha.
8: That's good. Macker, I'm calling from um, Stanthorpe in the Granite Belt in Queensland. Yeah. So, we're the town that everyone's hearing about that's approaching its day zero in the next, oh, before Christmas. We'll have day zero, no water. Right. Um, so my husband and I started a charity back, um, about 10 weeks ago called Granite Belt Water Relief.
5: Mm-hmm.
8: Um, the, the reality of what we're going through in the Granite Belt is that it's not the fact that the town's about to run out of water. The rural residents have been out of water for about six months. We don't have the luxury. Our day zero came six months ago. So rural residents on the Granite Belt have no access to water unless they've got a bit of money to pay for a security key, mm-hmm. um, off the council. And then they're entitled to 2000 litres a week. That's it. hmm so, we have the problem now where people, we're, we're an agricultural industry at the heart of it. Um, and we are, by the end of the 2019-20 um, financial year, we will be down about um, $100 billion in our local economy. Wow. So, people have lost jobs. There's about 900 jobs that we've lost from that sector. But people just don't have the means to, to be paying for truckloads of water or to no. be buying this security key. So, my husband, who's a truck driver, and saw this as a huge need, started this. So, we are um, raising money to get water into Stanthorpe, mainly from Brisbane. Um, most of it's through the generosity of the transport industry, who, and they're not doing it for free for us, they are charging us—you know, their bare minimum just to cover their fuel. Yep.
4: Um,
8: where at the moment it's costing us a, a small fortune each week in water, but each week we have farmers. Um, people from the rural sector come in and get between 1,000 and 2,000 litres of either clean drinking water or water for their stock.
1: Yeah. So that's – yeah. had We had a call um, – well, I had a call about – look, I, I can't remember because Tom and I talk to 50 people a week uh, here and every Sunday, but it was about three months ago and a, a, a granite belt farmer rang me. I think he was from around Stanthorpe. But it was about his his he wanted help to pick his fruit because he said the fruit's coming on, we've got no water we've got to pick it otherwise because of the heat too it was um the weather had changed, so um he was uh, getting people to go there, and I think they did pick the fruit because the fruit if the fruit stayed on the trees it would kill the kill the trees. so um that's the sort of thing that's happened and it must be terrible for for everybody, not just um people it's, with uh, animals, but uh, yeah, trees and fruit yep. and stone fruit Absolutely. and all apples and everything.
8: Yeah, well, I mean, the Granite Belt is Queensland's largest largest producer of oh, apples, pears, nectarines, capsicums, tomatoes, the list goes on. We're, we're a major food bowl for Queensland and, and actually for Australia as well. So to lose that commodity, um, you know, I heard you say before about city needing country, country needing city, um, you know, where's it going to end? This is, uh, we're getting to the desperation stage at, and, you know, when you get people like... So my husband works for a transport company, leaves at 2 in the morning, gets home at 3 and starts on the phone organising water. That's the reality of what we need to do to keep, you know, our town going with a little bit of hope. Uh, but but where, where are our three tiers of government? I mean, I understand they're making some great policies, but where are they as far as getting in and getting their hands dirty? You know, we've put the challenge out quite a bit to, to all our three tiers, council, state um, and federal. Come and spend one day at our watershed and see the people that come through and hear their stories because it'll actually change how you, you do your procedures. It's, it's, it is just heartbreaking. People are honestly barking their children every two to three days. You know, they're not washing their clothes. It's becoming almost a humanitarian crisis and you don't like to over-exaggerate, but that's, that's where a lot of rural Australia is at the moment and I don't actually think that people understand just how bad it is. Take into consideration the Granite Belt's only two and a half away, hours away from Brisbane, our capital city in Queensland. Yep. So you know, it's not like we're right out in the middle of nowhere. We're somewhere that people drive through all the time. Um
1: And you, you and, and do you take donations? I mean, does the council take donations? I mean is the council paying for this or helping to pay no, for it? No, no,
8: no, We're paying for this ourselves. Actually it's it's Sundays. My husband's one day off and he's at the shed at the moment <laughs> unloading a water truck. So We've done this ourselves with the help of some amazing volunteers. Like, we can't underestimate what those guys have done with us. Um, yeah, so we have a Facebook page, Granite mm. Belt Water Relief.
1: Granite Belt Water Relief.
8: Yeah, jump on there. We, um, we are very transparent. We do videos all the time to show people exactly what where their money's going to, and it's just going to water. Um, you know, as I said, the transport companies have been astronomical. My husband works for Lindsay Brothers, and they have just been behind this from... It's first conception. We've got a guy today, Cave and Transport. Steve Walters out of Brisbane. He knew that we were desperate for water this week. We're doing about three hundred and fifty thousand litres a week. Um, we've done well over two million litres of water just in our nine weeks that we've been operating. So Steve knew how desperate we were this week. Had already bought us up four loads and jumped in the truck this morning after his Christmas party last night, and on his way up with another load. So well, you know.
1: Well, Sam, you're talking to Australia this morning. Uh, Granite Belt Water Relief. That's your Facebook.
8: Absolutely. Um, We'd love your help and I know there's so many places that are in drought out there and I understand, Um, but jump on and have a look. Um, We are one of your major food bowls and and to lose this this region would be, um, it'd be devastation for Queensland and some parts of well, Australia as
1: well. Everybody's got need and everybody's helping in, in lots of ways, whether it's CWA and you know, there's, there's towns and Lions Clubs in Sydney and Melbourne sending little packages and whatever. Everybody will do what they can, Sam, but I'm sure they'll help you too. Granite Belt Water Relief. Good on you, Sam, and good Thanks,
8: luck. Thanks, Macca. It's oh, Macca, I was just going to say, if you're looking for something to do Australia Day, I heard you might have had a free bit in the calendar. We were having a huge big Australia Day party here to raise funds for the Granite Belt. So if you're looking for Something to
1: do? You're more than welcome to leave Tamworth and make your way up in New England to the Granite Belt. If you, when's the last time somebody said that? If you're looking for something to do, um... <laughs> yeah, I know
2: you've
8: got nothing to do on a
1: weekend at all, have you? Sam, we're putting it's gone on the list. We've got a we got a couple of needy things, but look, don't um, don't cross us off yet. We'll we'll try and be there, okay? And good That'd luck be with that. Thanks,
8: Maka. Good on
1: you, doll. Bye. Bye. Bye.